you want to take communion just between you and the Lord, that's fine. I understand it's a personal thing. If not, you'd rather wait. You can pray with me, and I'll, I'll see to that, okay? communion seriously you're doing this to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross make sure your heart's right before him I'm not saying that you got to be perfect make sure your heart is right toward him examine yourself already taken the bread. Go ahead and hold the bread up. Father, I remind myself of what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus. I remind myself that you allowed yourself to be sacrificed to pay for my sin. And so I endeavor to keep my heart right before you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the stripes that have paid for my healing, Lord. You didn't say, you didn't say for me to try to earn healing. But you said, receive by faith whatever things you ask for. Believe that you receive them and then you have them. So this is bought and paid for by Jesus Christ himself. And so I thank you for the healing that you have given me. Because I did not say that about myself. You said that about me. So I thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take the bread. Go ahead and take the cup. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blood. Shed for me. That has meant all the difference in the world changed my life forever. And I could not repay it, but I will spend my life setting my love upon you. And I thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take the, take the cup. Well, praise God. Charlie's coming around with the, the receptacle there. That's the fancy word, right? Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles, turn over to John chapter 16. John 16, if you would. All right. Thank you, Becky. 
you can play if you want to. I'll just keep. I'll just keep talking. Sounds like I'm a little hot. Do I need to pull this away? A bit. Maybe take the treble down just a bit. Okay. How are you all today? Good. Blessed. Worship can take it out of you, you know. I was, I was thinking about that. You know, you've got uh, sacrifices in the old temple. The, in the in the Old Testament, they would they would uh, continually offer sacrifices. But David instituted twenty four hour praise and worship songs going up before the Lord all the time. David recognized that that was a form of worship that could be offered at any time. It didn't need to be administered by. Uh, by the priests, he had the, the Levites do that, the, the temple assistants, he had them do that. And uh, it's, you know, singing songs to God is, you can view that as laying down an offering to him. And uh, that's acceptable to him when you've done that in spirit and in truth. And so those times like that are just really powerful. I mean, everybody, it seemed like everybody was really uh, loving worshiping God this morning, and that's great. So uh, last month I taught a message called, When It Is Difficult to Hear. And uh, I had put it together, and I knew that God had uh, wanted me to do a continuation of that, because actually, the first message he gave me, I said, this is too much, I've got to cut it in half. And so I had that, and then uh, something happened the following week where uh, God just took us a different direction, so we didn't, so I was like, okay, don't need to teach on this now, we can teach on it later. And, uh, and so uh, then the, the next week we had abiding worship, so we didn't have a message. And then the week after that we had the kids in there with us. And I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't really, you know, uh, I didn't want to lose the kids <laughs> in, in talking about something like this. And so uh, I, I went a different direction. And then the last week we had Danny. So, this is, so it really was a month ago. And so, um, so anyway, so the first one was called When It Is Difficult to Hear. Today I have listening to hear listening to hear, or you could say listening for the purpose of hearing, because we don't always, we may, you know, hear what God said, but it's like that old saying, goes out one ear, goes out the other, you know, goes in one ear, goes out the other, and so, um, <clears throat> and, for, and for today, you know, we don't always, because when we talked about when it's difficult to hear, that was because we don't always like what God has to say. And uh, I've seen people do that, where they, they pray, they feel God told them something, but they didn't like what the, God had to say. It was like, well, that must not have been God. And so then they, then they start going around looking for confirming words from people, and people who are listening to God tell them something. And I mean, I've even talked, like, like one guy I talked to, he was so caught up on, he wanted a wife, he wanted a wife, he wanted a wife. And, and uh, we were talking, and, and uh, he said, what do you think? And I said, it, it sounds to me like you're on the right track. Because of the way that he was praying was, but see, what he wanted was a little different than what he was praying. I said, it sounds to me like you're on the right track. And he goes, that's what everyone keeps telling me. And it's like, maybe you ought to listen then if everyone's telling you the same thing. That's the confirming word. That's the, the he, 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 he didn't like what God had to say. And, uh, and then last week, or last, last month, we also talked about how there are two purposes for teaching God's word whether we want to hear those words or not. There are two, two purposes for teaching. The first purpose is to plant or form a Bible belief in a person's heart. That's the first reason. The second is to water or strengthen that belief. Remember Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. That tells me this then, God gives us understanding 
as we seek it out, as we seek further to understand whatever was spoken or whatever we read, then God gives us more understanding of that. Okay? And I'm going to switch my Bible to this side because the air conditioner keeps blowing it over to the left, but I'm thankful for the air conditioning. That's okay. Don't worry about it. It's just a, it's just a bookmark. We're good. Now I've got to do all this left-handed, but that's okay. Okay, so um, we talked about how uh, whenever a person hears the word, it is planted in their heart the moment they hear it. No matter what they do with it, what, no matter what they uh, seek to obtain or not obtain or whatever they do with that word, we saw that it is planted directly into their heart. Uh, because in the parable of the sower, Jesus told us that Satan... Uh, the reason he gets the opportunity to come and steal the word, you remember the, the, the seed fell by the way path, the birds came and ate it, and he's like, that's the enemy coming to take the word that was sown in their heart. But Jesus made it clear that that's when those, those are the people who don't understand it. Um, and so it's the idea that they don't take the time to understand it. That's, that's really what he's getting at, because... He said, the, the, the good soil are those who hear the word, they receive it, they receive it, and they patiently allow it to produce a harvest. And so it, it's, not, it's not that the person couldn't understand, it was that they didn't. They just chose not to seek after the meaning. Now, uh, here again, I'm going to take us back over to John 16, and this is, Jesus is talking about the crucifixion, and I, and I brought this same, uh, this same scripture up last month when I talked about this. And we looked at it from the standpoint of not liking the word that he had to say. Because the disciples didn't like to hear that he was going to be crucified. And we're going to look at it from a, a, the other side of the coin now. So in verse 16, Jesus says, a little while and you will not see me. Because he's going to go to the cross and be buried. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Some translations are like, we don't understand what he's saying. They did not understand the truth that Jesus just planted into their heart. Okay? So, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got some ringing going on here. So has, uh, well, let me give you a second to fix that. I'm not sure what that's. No. That bypasses the board. Testing, one, two. Is that a little bit? Okay. I just don't want it to be a distraction to you guys. So, they, so Jesus just gave them a word that they didn't like to hear, but they also didn't understand it. And uh, so then the question is, has God ever told you something that you did not understand? And that's a good thing, because it means he wants you to search out the meaning. He knows you don't understand it. The purpose, is it, the purpose of it is so that you will put forth an effort in chasing down the meaning. And he wants you to do that with him. It says in the Old Testament that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And then if you've accepted Jesus, you walk in a kingly anointing. Amen. So that's why Jesus tells us the same thing over and over again. That's why the Father tells us the same thing over again. That's why... Uh, Peter told us, I will keep telling you the same thing over and over and over again. I know that you know it. I'm going to tell you again. Okay? It's not because God has nothing new to show us. It's not because he just ran out of things to tell us 
And so he says, okay, well, let me just tell you the same thing again because I don't have anything new. That's not why. Turn over to Mark 4. And yeah, we'll be moving around through the Gospels today. How are you all doing so far? You with me? Mark 4. And look down at verse 24. Helps me to be in the right chapter. There we go. This is Jesus talking, verse 24. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you, or measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So people are constantly wanting more. But if they're not receiving the word that was already given and they're not taking time for that, they're not going to get more. Because you can't get more until you understand, you're taking time to understand and put into practice the word, the word you've been given, and then more will be given. Okay. See how that works. That's, uh, that's the same principle of sowing and reaping. God plants a seed in your heart, and it bears fruit when you allow it to bear fruit. When you, and then, so then now there's an increase. Okay. So it's like, well, I want more, more from God. Well, are you doing the things he already told you to do? Well, no. Well, then you're going to have to go back. And I've, I've gone around that merry-go-round many times myself. And so in the Amplified Classic, he says, he, says, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Okay, so Jesus is, like I said, the people who didn't take the time to understand, those are the ones that the, the birds come by the wayside and, you know, the enemy has, now has opportunity. If they don't take the time to understand it, the, the enemy has been given opportunity to come in and steal the seed. Now, he's not, uh, he is not all-knowing and he is not all-powerful. That doesn't mean that he is efficient enough to get every single seed okay but jesus is just saying that this gives him opportunity to do that all right and so he is not saying that people lose their opportunity to be saved because they are not able to understand again he is saying they lose it because they choose not to understand there is such a thing as willful ignorance being pur purposely ignorant of things. There's such a thing as that. That is when, for whatever reason, a person does not want to know, so they choose not to know, and, and they do that by deciding to not seek to understand. Is it not true that Jesus expected the religious leaders to recognize that he is the Messiah? He expected them to know who he was. He told them, you search the scriptures because you, you think that in them you have eternal life. But these scriptures point to me. Later, they surrounded him in the temple. After he said that to them, they surrounded him in the temple and they said, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And he said, I told you already and you don't believe. I told you. You don't believe. After seeing all the signs, wonders, and miracles, after hearing him give all that scripture that pointed to him as the Messiah, how could they not know? And the answer is that they chose not to know. You understand that we are dealing with people today who do the same thing? 
This is, this is the people that we are called to go talk to. The times may change, but people's reasons for doing things don't change. But God's not ready to abandon them. Go ahead and turn over to Matthew 23. This is why we have the Great Commission. God's not ready to abandon them. Matthew 23. I'm going to look down at verse 37. This will probably be a pretty familiar verse to all of us. This is Jesus talking. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks and her wing, under her wings, but you were not willing. You were not willing. There are two kinds of unwillingness that will keep a person from accepting Jesus. I'm talking about the people you love, who you've tried to talk to, who you've been praying for, and they, they didn't want to hear it. I, and I don't want you to give up on them, because God hadn't given up on them. I want you to understand how this works, because it can help you pray for them more effectively and talk to them more effectively. Because Jesus always dealt with people's motives instead of dealing with the arguments. He went right to the heart of the matter. And you can only do that, really, by listening to the Holy Spirit when you're talking to people. But, but did you notice that Jesus did, did that? Someone would come over, and, and he, they would say something, and it looked like he changed the subject. But in reality, he was just dealing with the heart of the matter. I remember one time my mom told me, my mom was a substitute teacher for many years, and she was working in this classroom, and the kids kept coming up to, uh, there was a kid that kept wanting to go to the bathroom. Well, she could tell, I mean, she, she was no, she was a veteran, and so she could tell which kids were just trying to mess around, you know. And uh, the kid said something about, because he had been many times, and he said something that was a lie, that was a, um, and she just looked at him and said, if you were telling the truth, you wouldn't have told me what you just told me. And she said, he's like. And I'm like, that was a God moment, right? That's. And see, Jesus always dealt with the heart of the matter instead of excuses and things like that. So if you're, if you're taking notes, you happen to be doing that. I want you to write down this, this sentence. Two reasons people do not accept Jesus. It's like a little title. Two reasons that people do not accept Jesus. The first reason people do not accept Jesus is an unwillingness to know. And that's the first type of unwillingness I was telling you about. An unwillingness to know. And because uh, again, going back to the parable of the sower, the sower sows the word. And he scattered it across every type of soil because God's message goes out to the entire earth. So every type of soil that is on the earth, you know, and in this, in this, uh, People are, people are represented by the soil. And so that footpath is the part that is unwilling to know because it's been sown onto them, but they did not take the time to let it sink in. Instead, there was a hardness, a resistance that kept the seeds on the top of the soil, which gave the enemy opportunity to come and take that off the top. Because once it goes down into the earth, the bird can't pull it out of the earth unless they can dig, but... That's, uh, you know, the, Jesus was just giving us an illustration, okay? So, you know, someone's just out and about, minding their own business, enjoying being outside, shopping, stopping for food, or buying a $12 cup of coffee or whatever that they're doing, 
And suddenly someone walks up and starts talking to them about how Jesus wants to save them. And it's like, man, I don't want to deal with this right now. I just, I'm not prepared for this. I don't want to hear it. Not all of it is easy to understand. Uh, therefore, I'm not going to take the time to understand. And they didn't actually say that, but, but, the, but through their actions, that's what happened. Because, no, I don't want to hear that right now. Right? And that leads to them not knowing. And they did that by a decision of their will. Okay? And so it's an unwillingness to know. Jesus said here to Jerusalem, I wanted to protect you like a hen protects her chicks, but you were unwilling. See, Jesus is willing to save anybody who is willing to let him. See, we're talking about God's words being planted in a person. And the first word planted is the word of salvation. Because it's because all that seed is not just a word on salvation. It can be a word about joy, healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever a person needs. But the first word that's planted is always the word of salvation. Because without that, none of the they're not qualified for any anything else. That doesn't mean I mean there's times when God will heal an unbeliever, but the point is is that they have no grounds to ask for that because they're not a part of the covenant. Yet. Okay, and so. The first word, again, is the word, that, that is the word of salvation, of how to be saved. If you have said out loud that Jesus is your Lord and you believe that God has raised him from the dead, that means you heard that word and that seed was planted in the good soil of your heart and you allowed it to sprout and grow and produce a harvest of salvation into your life. Because that's the way God wanted it to be. Amen? So if you've done that, you were willing to know about Jesus and how he saves. You were willing to know after you heard that word, that seed. According to the Bible, the word has gone out to the ends of the earth. And that means that no one who reaches the age of accountability will be able to walk this earth without encountering God's word at some point in their life. Otherwise, God would be unjust. And like I touched on last month, there are people out there who will say God is unjust because, well, if Jesus is the only way, they don't like that. They don't like it when you, you know. When you tell them Jesus is the only way, they don't like that. But they say that if Jesus is the only way, then how can God judge some remote tribe out in the middle of nowhere who has never heard about Jesus? People have told me, have asked me that question. It's one of their favorite. I don't. It's like it's like that just seems like a, just a random question, but you hear it a lot. What they have done then by asking that question is they have reasoned in their own mind. I cannot understand how it is possible for God to fairly judge a people group. That when they had not had the opportunity to hear about Jesus when he was first preached 2,000 years ago. And so because I cannot understand how that's possible, God must be unjust. And if God is unjust, then he has no right to judge me for my sin. That's, I mean, people, people reason that out in a split second. It doesn't take that long. They don't have to you know, reason it out like that. But that's, that's, that's what happens, right? So you see, the argument is really different than the motive because the motive is, I don't want to hear it. The argument is, well, because of this remote tribe out here. But, the, but the, the, the true motive of saying that is because I don't want to hear it. How do I know that? Because if they did care, they would be trying to figure out a way to get there and tell those people about Jesus. If they did care. Right? 
if they were truly passionate about it. No, instead they use that as an excuse for them not to accept Jesus. So the motive behind the tribe out in the middle of nowhere is, is just that, is that I don't want to think about this, so I'm just going to throw this thing out. I was listening to um, an apologist teach a course on uh, talking about skeptics and things like that, and he said, <laughs> he said, I call, and, and I mean, the, the, dude, the dude knows his stuff. It was, it was an excellent teaching. But he says, uh, he says, so the first type of skeptic, and I'm not going to go through all his skeptics. He talked, he talked about different types of skeptics. He said, but the first skeptic I want to talk to you about is what I call the iterative skeptic, and it was cool because I could hear him writing it down on a whiteboard. You know, I'm just listening on an audio CD. He said, I, I call him an iterative skeptic. He said, because they are somebody who thinks that they can outdo you simply by raising the same question over and over and over again. Have you seen people that do that? And he said, in my opinion, the best way to deal with an iterative skeptic is to ignore him. He said, because he's not really interested, you know. But anyway, that was just a really interesting, <laughs> an interesting thing that he talked about. So God doesn't give us his plan for how he's going to reach that tribe out in the middle of nowhere. He simply tells us that he is willing and able He's able. He expects people to understand that. And he expects people to accept that as truth. You notice that in the book of Genesis, God doesn't go through here and try to explain to people, uh, talk them into the fact that he made the earth. He just says, I made the earth. I did it. So he doesn't expect uh, to have to give a reason as to how point by point, in order to satisfy a person's desire to finally say, okay, fine, God, you're right. No, he's, he's no, he makes no apologies for his statement. And so the motive behind that argument or excuse is, I am unwilling to admit that I should understand God is able to do that. The second reason a person will not accept Jesus that we're talking about today is an unwillingness to admit First one's an unwillingness to know. The second one is an unwillingness to admit. Write that down underneath the first reason. The first reason was, like I said, to know. Second one's to admit. And so I, I remember uh, many years ago, God told me to get involved in an internet debate, which I hate those. Sometimes they, they're useful. Um, typically, in my experience, it's best to not get involved in them. If you do get involved in them, it's probably more for the benefit of the people who are reading, not the person who you are debating with, because that person probably is not going not gonna to budge. I've, I've had some civil conversations, but, but I've never had one that was like, the person was like, oh, yes, I'll accept Jesus. But anyway, and this particular one was uh, an uncle of mine kept posting these uh, anti-God type things. And so finally I was like, you know, I, I got, it's grieving my heart so much, and I talked to God, and he said, yeah, you need to say something. So I'm like, okay. And so I answered his question. He did not like the answer. And, uh, you know, we're going back and forth. Well, then he didn't say a whole lot before some relative of his started talking to me. And, of course, the issue was the, you know, the LGBTQ thing. And he said, well, you know, uh, what about love? You know, and I'm like, Anyone who's not walking in love is not walking in accordance with God's word. He said, well, then what's the problem? I said, well, what's the problem with what? You know, and uh, he's like, well, with this, you know, and I said, and I, and I wrote out 
um, I had two scriptures I felt God gave me. I can't tell you what they were. I don't remember. But I wrote them out, typed them out, and then the answer that I was going to give him that I was prepared for, I didn't even write it down. God just gave me a simple sentence that I was like, okay? So I wrote it down, which was just, so we can see from these two verses that it's possible to love someone and at the same time disagree with them. And he, and he didn't say anything, but sometimes you can just tell in, this, in your heart, you, in, your, in your spirit, because the Holy Spirit's letting you know, that that affected him. And he was like, oh. Well then, and so he never said anything again, but then all of a sudden, out of left field, my uncle came back with this scathing, you can't say, well, you know, and he's, and he's really mad, right? But, but I could, t- the whole time I was talking to the relative, I could tell that the uncle was, was watching very intently this, this little exchange that we were having. And so the attack that came after that represented an unwillingness to admit that he should know God's motives because he spent many years in church with me. You know, he heard the same messages I heard. So it's like, you know, you know what I know. Why are you all of a sudden changing your views? And so I started, I just said, please, uncle, don't turn away from Jesus. I said, he died for you. Do not turn from him. Please, please. And, and he's like, and he didn't know how to respond to that. And it just kind of ended the conversation because he just, it was like, he was shocked that I was just like, please, please don't turn from Jesus. Satan wants to keep people in the realm of debate. Because debates just circle, and they have a hard time getting to the heart of the matter where a person's motives reside. Go over to, uh, we're in Matthew 23, go over to chapter 6. Look down with me at verse 22. This is an interesting little statement that Jesus makes that People don't really teach on. So Jesus down here in verse 22, he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so he is using a parable here to illustrate the spiritual truth. The lamp, the source, uh, is the eye. And so he's talking about the eye as an entry point. And so what is fueling the heart? You know. And so uh, it is a hard word to understand. What exactly is he trying to tell us? He's talking about how people deceive themselves is what he's talking about. Just like the ear, the eye is a part of your body that takes in information. And I said many times, God told me many years ago, your heart is a repository. It's a place where things are stored. Do you ever notice that if you go a long time without reading the Bible, this has happened to me many times, you go a long time without reading the Bible, that when you start reading it again, you have a like, weird dreams, maybe a couple days after that, why? Because that there's been junk that's been getting into your heart that hasn't been able to be cleared out by God's word, and it just kind of sticks in down in there. This is just what I believe. So when you start to read the word again, the word cleanses, and so that junk gets stirred up, and it's on its way out, and while it's on its way out, you dream, you dream weird things. 
Anyway, that's just an opinion. But it's just a, it's just a, a little illustration to see things get into your heart through what you see, through what you hear. Okay? So Jesus says that you can have a good eye or a bad eye. He said it's possible to have either, a good eye or a bad eye. And apparently, that is by choice, whether you have a good eye or a bad eye. A good eye seeks to take in only good information. Now, that doesn't always happen, but that's the goal. Because none of us is perfect, but we can get better at refining what we're seeing, what we're allowing our eyes to see, what we're allowing our ears to hear. We can get better at that. And so a good eye, that's talking really talking about the motive behind what you are looking at, what you are allowing yourself to see, what you're allowing yourself to hear. And so a good eye seeks to keep bad things out and only let good in. Okay? I'm talking about good by God's standards. And so a bad eye will just take in anything. Right? Have you ever known a person that just seems to kind of go along with anything that comes by? You know, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. They just go with the flow. Yeah, it's all good. You understand that that goes against everything Jesus stands for? <clears throat> Jesus wants your eye to be good. Your eye can then serve as a filter for what gets inside you so that your whole body can be full of light. That's what he's saying. Your eye, your, your, your eye, okay? Your eye is, is, a, is a lamp of the body of the eye. Okay, so... Lost my place here, but that's all right. So people can be deceived about what is good. It's happening right now, nationally. People can be deceived about what is good. In the Old Testament, God said, Woe to those who put forth evil for good and good for evil, who say an evil thing is good and a good thing is evil. All right? So Jesus is saying, you can be deceived by, about what is good. Because he said, if the, 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 the darkness that you think you have is actually light, that's a great darkness. So that's why when they think they have light, they think they understand, but it's false. What they actually have is darkness and deception. In the NLT, in this verse, Jesus said, if you think you, the, the light you think you have, like I just said, if you think that the light you have is, is darkness... How great is that darkness? Why? Because darkness only leads to more darkness. It cannot lead to light. So in other words, people who deceive themselves about what is right can only ever go into more deception unless a seed of God's word is somehow planted in their heart and they take the time to understand it and apply it and then begin to walk in the light of what they know. Amen? Now, if they, so then if they respond to it, now their eye is getting better. You see how Jesus leads people out of the darkness? He leads them out. Now, back to my story about my uncle and his relative. You can see how a word of truth got into the heart of the one man, and he was considering it. That's a seed that was planted. Okay, he's considering it. But then, because my uncle's eye was bad, because he thought that the darkness he had was actually light, he stepped in out of an unwillingness to admit that he should know God is good. You see how an unwillingness to know and an unwillingness to admit can walk hand in hand. 
That's a dangerous cycle. The Pharisees did that with Jesus. They observed the miracles Jesus was doing, but they didn't like the kind of leader he was, so they were unwilling to know him as the Messiah. But as the miracles increased and the prophecy kept confirming who Jesus was, they had a problem now. Because now it was obvious that they should know that Jesus was the Messiah. At that point, they should have admitted that they should have known, but instead they were unwilling to admit that. And so this is a downward spiral. It's that thinking you have light, but you actually have darkness. So how great is that darkness? And yet Jesus was willing to bring him out of that. Remember he said, Jerusalem, how, how, how I longed to draw you as a hen draws her, her chicks to protect them. You were unwilling. Unwillingness blinds a person to what is good for them. Have you ever had a pet that was too smart for its own good? You know what I'm talking about. We had a dog. This dog. Couldn't keep her. She was so athletically able to just jump out of whatever enclosure I built. She, you know, I just, I couldn't keep her. And one time I was watching, and I knew that there was a weak point because I, I didn't have, um, I didn't have enough planks to, to make a fence that was quite tall enough in the one corner. It was a little tiny corner. I'm thinking, maybe she won't notice that. Yeah, right. But it was still pretty tall. Most dogs wouldn't be able to get over it. And I, was, I looked out the window one day, and she's sitting looking at it. And I'm like, she's calculating. And so I, ran, I immediately ran around the house to get to the other side. By the time I got there, she was too late. She jumped up. She was already on the top of it. And, I, and I'm like, honey, her name was Honey, honey. And she goes, whoop, and she's gone. And then when I went out to the front of the yard, she was already running out into the park because we lived across the street from the park. And so... You know, you're trying to keep your dog in because there are dog catchers out there that will take them and put them in the pound. And, and so that's that example of the, the dog is too smart for its own good. See, because she could not comprehend that there was a dog catcher out there who had a job, that their whole job is to catch wayward animals, right? It's like someone's employed to come get you. You know that, right? But they, she doesn't know that. Obviously, she's a dog. You know, bless her heart. But see, she's like, I want freedom, but she can't see that that freedom is actually leading to captivity. And so she could hear my cries to come back, but she did she could not know that they were actually a cry of warning. Okay? She perceived that those cries were to take away her freedom, but they were actually cries to come back for protection. And that's exactly what the gospel is. People perceive it as, you're trying to take away our freedom. No, we are trying to save you. This is why Jesus was always saying, he always said it over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because God wants us listening to hear. Amen. Is this encouraging? <laughs> Maybe it's not encouraging. Is it encouraging? Okay. Now, this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done, but I want to go over something real quick. Uh, go ahead and, and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this out of the uh, NLT, because that's meant to be read out loud. Because here's a whole lot of seeds that I'm, I'm about to scatter. Thank <laughs> you.
God wants you to know who you are in Christ. Understanding the blessings that you have in Christ will help to see, yeah, there, this really is freedom. You know, it's not about a bunch of rules that I have to keep. I, 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 I follow God's commands to, with the motive of pleasing him, not with just, oh, I, I don't want to do, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to do in my strength. I'm going to do my best to, n- to not do this, not do that, not do this, not do that. But if I am seeking to please him, then I won't do those things anyway. But the blessings that come out of that are just astounding to me. So go ahead and we'll read Ephesians chapter 1. I'm actually going to read it down to verse 14. And I want you to, as we go through this, because I want to provide a demonstration along with the instructions. So we're just going to, I'm just going to, this whole thing is just scattering a whole mess of seed into your heart. And I want you to look at it that way, that there's seed being planted in my heart. And if it's something you already know, then it's just being watered. Okay. So I'm going to read it out loud. Let's start in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen. I just wanted to give you that of seed, you know, because God wants good things for his people. So let that get down in there and grow. Choose to be good soil. So this is, and this is just a small part of what God wants you to know. I want you to encourage, you know, go over those 14 verses on your own. Meditate on them. Think about them. Thank God for them. Because there's a lot in here for you to rejoice about because it is written to you. So when you first heard the word about how to accept Jesus and you received it, 
and allowed it to grow and produce a harvest of salvation in your life. These words were written thousands of years ago. These words were written thousands of years ago, and so then they became a promise to you. Amen? Okay. Listen to here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for so much for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and what you're doing in their lives, the plans that you have for them, which are plans for good and not for evil, plans to give them hope and a future. I pray, Lord, your blessing on each of them as they go. Protect them as they go. Bring everyone home safely, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, if anybody needs prayer, we're here.